Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. You guys, today's guest, I am so excited. Um, Elizabeth Ito, the creator of the animated series City of Ghosts for Netflix. Um, I first found this show um, through my son, and I've just been blown away with it. It's... um, it, it has such a unique um, vibe, like, kind of like a docu-series, um, it just it's different episodes. Each episode focuses on different ghosts throughout the city of Los Angeles, and it's just such a beautiful show. So I'm so excited to welcome Elizabeth. You guys, put your hand, we'll hear it for Elizabeth Ito. Hi. Hi, Allison. <laughs> you look so beautiful. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. <laughs> You even have like the artistically displayed, you know, beautifully balanced, um, broken into thirds backdrop. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I've been working on it. I've had a little while to manipulate my background since we've all gotten used, sort of gotten used to doing all this from home. But (laughs) I really like your all the stuff in your background, too. You know, I do probably need to like, you know, give it another uh, like the giant butt. I was just like, this is is a little awkward. Is that that's like an NHK character, right? Or it's um Yokai Watch. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like I, yes. I, I saw it when I was. Yeah, I definitely saw it in Japan, and I love seeing it back there too. Yeah, I did the voice of this giant butt. That's so, amazing. You no, know, um, we all have our typecast things we're typecast <laughs> as, and apparently, mine's that. <laughs> that's amazing i'm so impressed oh <laughs> thanks um so yeah it's funny the i first came um i saw heard about city of ghosts because it was came up in my son's netflix queue and um at first i was like oh ghosts he's five you know so i wanted to make sure it wasn't too scary and then um we watched it and we fell in love with it and i reached out to you right away and then i realized fortunately we had a friend connect us because um obviously you can't take your messages from everybody but um i was so curious about um just the whole process that you went through as an artist and um, how you got a show like City of Ghosts, which just has such an original, um, unique feel, how you got that to air. So I was hoping we could chat about that today. Yeah, of course. I'd love to talk about it. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Yeah, it's an unusual journey. So I'm looking forward to telling you all about it. So you've, I mean, you've been working in animation for a long time. You went to CalArts and um, you've worked as a storyboard supervisor, storyboard artist, um, a writer. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into animation in the first place? Yeah. um, I mean, if we go way back when I was a kid, I I just, I loved children's books because it was sort of like, I loved to draw and, um, I think like I didn't differentiate like the person who wrote the book didn't draw the pictures. So I just figured like, that's what I want to do. I want to make children's books. Um, And kind of in between, you know, being little and into drawing and growing up and wanting to do animation. um, I think like 
you know, there was periods in between where I was like, can you do, can you be an artist as a job? Like, I yeah. don't really know any artists. And um, from everything that I see on like TV or like characters who are artists, <laughs> they're always struggling. Yeah, or, like they're living in a cool place, but they're also struggling for some reason. Um, totally. The lights are getting turned off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so like, I kind of had to figure out like, what art do I want to do? Um, you can't just sort of like roll into making children's books. I mean, I didn't know that when I was little. And then like, as I grew up, I just, um, when I, when I got to high school, uh, in my 11th grade year, like the summer of that year, I went to this high school program, um, where I learned animation and it was the state funded, um, program called CESA. What uh, state did you grow up in? California. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was almost like this thing where I just felt like, um, like this light went off that just like this, this was my art form. Like I, d I didn't know it before then. Cause I think before then, um, honestly, it just seemed like really tedious. <laughs> like, uh, what I knew of animation was that people just drew to me like at the time like the same drawing over and over again and I was like oh that's too much yeah. <laughs> um yeah so the summer program I feel like they really showed me what animation was and then I also found sort of like kindred spirits and in other um kids like I I didn't go to an arts high school so I I didn't really have um, like a situation where I was like surrounded by other artists ever before and so I think this particular experience was just really life-changing. It was just kind of like, oh, like, this is this is the art that I want to do. How can I figure out how to do it? Um, so I think from that moment on, I kind of tried to figure out, like, how do I get into this? Um, but, like, there are some people that know earlier than I knew um, that, like, oh, you got to work on life drawing. And they knew a lot of the things that you had to do to get into CalArts. Um, and I did not. So it took... <laughs> took me a few tries like it took me maybe like three tries to get into the school um and also it's really expensive so I also understand that aspect of why some people don't go down that route like it's just un unreachable for some people so yeah um I feel like grateful that I was able to do that in my life um but yeah stories it, like that are always so inspiring though because you know I'm sure there's a lot of young artists at home that see what you've created and think, oh, uh, the talent and, and the dedication, that must just come easy. So to hear that there were points in your life when it, it wasn't as easy is incredibly, I think, inspiring. I hope so. Like, I, I hope, I don't know. Like, yeah, if anything, um, for people seeing what I've made and then hearing about what it's like getting there, like, I hope they know, like, there's there's not many people where it's easy you know there there are definitely going to be points where um it's not easy and like you kind of have to really be dedicated to to what you do like as an artist in order to like uh take it there <laughs> take it to where you want to go yeah um do you think i was reading something um as I was scrolling today about confidence and um, this woman, Mel Robbins, that I follow on Instagram was saying that confidence is 100% a skill and it's the type of thing you have to develop over time. And, and I find, you know, 
time and time again, I come up against that and just have to keep chipping away at, okay, what is the different layer I need to peel back so that I can be um, fully embraced, fully in my art and not have that voice in my head saying, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. Yeah. I mean, as you're saying it, like, to be totally honest, um, like, I think I was just thinking about it today. Like, it's almost like, I, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised. It's like, it's like this quality to introverts that I've read about where it's like, if you're really excited about something, you'll, you'll talk about it endlessly. And like, you can just sort of get like really talkative when it comes to things that you're really interested in. Yeah. Um, and I feel that same way about like what I do, like animation and art and all of those things. Um, but if you were to like, when I talk about it as if it's like confidence, like something that I've learned, I feel like it's more like I've learned not be as afraid about like being embarrassed or about like uh, making, making a a, yeah, like um. publicly making a mistake. Like obviously like I'm still worried about that a lot of the time like uh, really worried about being embarrassed or doing the wrong thing or like doing something the wrong way mm -hmm. um but i think like just like i constantly have to remind myself that like other people have made mistakes and they're fine and, and they grow and they learn from it and it's not that bad um to do that like it's not that big of a risk really in your entire life to to yeah. to like keep kind of making those mistakes and and risking it um yeah so like i i just hope that other people feel more inspired to kind of do that like in in all ways like like people feel more inspired to take risks on like making a show a different way like somebody might eventually say no but at least you really tried <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, literally um, being able to, to be bold with your mistakes. I think the older you get, it does. It, well, in some ways it gets easier and in some ways it gets harder because when you're young, you're like, oh, you don't realize that you can make mistakes. You just think you're going to not make them. And then you get older, you're, you, it, it becomes part of, um, I think, what helps me appreciate others in their work is seeing the process and seeing the flaws behind the perfection because anything could be photoshopped but seeing the process is what is most uplifting i think i'm sorry if i just got disconnected for a minute i just i this is my first time using instagram live and i tried to clear a phone notification and it almost called somebody so i'm sorry that has <laughs> happened to me it did look like it like your lights went off for a second <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I was curious, you mentioned um, that, that comment about introverts. Do you consider yourself an introvert? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a learning process because um, when I first sort of like started learning about what being an introvert was like, um, I remember one of the things was like, I told my mom, like, I think I'm an introvert. And she was like, kind of just like, no, <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and I think like it's been a learning process in that like uh, kind of like everything, um, it exists on a spectrum. And yeah. I know like there's part of me that's definitely introverted, but like I'm in this like profession and this industry where like it, it, it's, not, it's not introverted, like you're performing, you're creating things that are media that people are watching. Um, so it's very much like you're, 
you're getting a lot of attention. Um, it's not always like directly at you. Like I'm not an actress, so I don't necessarily like perform in front of people. Um, but like, it still, it still feels that way whenever you show your work. So I think it was sort of having to realize like that thing of like, oh, I'm, I'm this way because there is part of me that's extroverted. Like there's part of me that likes performing. Um, but I also have to like balance that out with like time alone or just sort of like knowing that I have to be away from people to recharge a bit. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Um, so I'm curious, how did you come up with the concept for City of Ghosts? I saw a ghost when I was little. Um, and part of it is like see living in LA for my whole life and kind of uh, just like a lot of big cities, it's going through a lot of gentrification in different areas of, of the city. And I think like, for me, I was trying to figure out like, how do I, um, how do I make something that helps, that helps like show what gentrification is erasing basically, you know, like, and then also like having kids and feeling like I really wanted more shows to watch with my kids like with yeah. my kids, not kind of like where I, you know, put them down in front of it and they learn something from it through um, voices that I, <laughs> like, I don't always really enjoy. Like for like a lot of the preschool shows, some of them can be a little louder. Um, and, uh, and like also just for my son, um, when he was really little, he's a little bit better about it now, but it's still a case. Like he's really sensitive to really heightened drama um, so I think like trying to create something that was like better for a kid like that, where they wouldn't get scared. I wouldn't have to deal with like, um, like part of it was like having to convince him to make it to the end of a movie. Cause in the middle of the movie, he would get really like scared and he wouldn't want to continue. Cause he felt like he was just going to continue having scared, bad feelings. <laughs> um, yeah. so I wanted more stuff that, that where he didn't have to wait for like a whole another half hour to have stuff <laughs> resolve and to have that, that feel good moment. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think it was a combination of all, all of those things together. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm also a mom and I think, uh, it, it, being a mom, both of us uh, in animation, there's this whole new awareness you get of your audience when you're actually with your audience and, and they're, you know, you see, you know what they react to. And like, how old you, you have a six year old? Yeah. So my son just turned seven and uh, my daughter is four. So four. she's going to be five this year. Um, but yeah, they're pretty they're still pretty little, but uh, Newton's definitely getting older now. So like, it's, it's strange. <laughs> it's strange how like fast it seems they start to. I know. I always grow. feel like it feels like the book flowers to Algernon where, you know, you know, you have just this limited time with them where like, they think you're wonderful and amazing. And like in five years, they're going to be like, <laughs> you mom. <laughs> but yeah, do you feel in any other ways that that's shifted your work or your ambitions? Yeah, I mean, completely. Uh, part of it is like, I mean, I guess I already believed this, but having kids even more so reinforces it. Like, 
First, I think kids are really, really perceptive um, in general. Like they'll notice things whether you want them to or not sometimes. Um, <laughs> Especially when you don't want them to notice. Yeah. And they'll figure things out really fast. Like anything, you know, like um, how to unlock a phone, like how to, uh, I don't know, to like turn to their favorite channel how to find something like in the fridge (laughs) stuff like maybe not that because the fridge is a little hard to open but like in general um just like also enjoying the like the comedy that kids bring to my life especially my kids like they'll say um strange things sometimes and I think that's given me more of this resolve to like make sure that dialogue that kids say in whatever I make feels authentic to that. (laughs) It's always funny too, when like the kids start repeating the the, the dialogue, like um, there's, there's a certain, I have been keeping a list of like phrases where it's like, whoa, like suddenly they'll be like, (laughs) let me see you. And you're like, oh yeah. And you're like, whoa. (laughs) Or like, uh, we got this. Like, that's a big one. (laughs) So my son will say that a lot because he hears it in his cartoons. We got it. Um, yeah kids are just so cool they're so fun do you feel like they changed your work (laughs) oh yeah I mean you know it's much easier to tell when you're on a roll or you've come with a good character when you have like a built-in laugh machine right there you know and like the other day I was saying something he's like mama you sound like a teenager I was like really okay I take up my voice memo I'm like here's the new teenage voice But um, now I know um, I have read on your blog, which is amazing, by the way, if you guys um, are not, if you haven't checked out Elizabeth's blog, um, hashtag life, um, (laughs) you talked a lot about when you were a kid and and experiencing some racist bullying in school. And and I was curious how that um, kind of may have impacted your life. Part of it was like, really, uh, what do you call it? Like, small things that I think when I was really little, um, people didn't really talk about it like racism, you know, (laughs) like it was sort of like you would bring something weird for lunch. Like, I mean, not weird to me, just weird to some other kid. Like I I remember I bought, I brought like a rice ball to school. Um, and this isn't even really a dig, but somebody was like, uh, what are you eating a snowball (laughs) or something like that? Um, but like when you're a kid, for whatever reason, like anything, something like tiny that some other kid says, you feel really like insulted or just sort of like you, you just don't want to stand out in that way ever. So yeah. I think like I I learned like when, you know, when somebody asks you in a class full of mostly kids that don't really look like you, like, what's your favorite food? Like, I wouldn't really... Um, say like the this specific Japanese dish that I like like I really liked soba noodles when I was little uh, I still like them now um but like when I was like you know in first grade or kindergarten it would be hard to say like oh I like soba and then it's like what's that <laughs> and how much explaining do you have to do and like you don't really want to talk that much so like um I think I'd you know, sometimes just revert to like pizza because every kid knew what that was. And I also liked pizza. Okay. <laughs> um, and then just like through junior high and, and, and high school, it was, you know, stuff like somebody saying, uh, Hey, Chinese girl, or, you know, like, um, 
whatever version of that and you kind of having to decide like do i do i correct them do i say something back or do i just kind of like avoid it and eat it and then like wait until i get home and and complain about it or um stuff like that and i think most of the time just sort of like for personal safety you sort of just decide like i'm just going to leave that and there were times where i said something back and then like I, like <laughs> like some girl grabbed my hair uh like junior high and i think i decided like i don't think i'm going to do that again even though like it felt kind of worth it to say something back i don't really want to get punched in the face so i'm not going to do that again <laughs> wow yeah um nobody wants to feel othered or left out um of their peer group i think you know no matter for whatever reason that is whether you know you look different or whether you act different and we all do at some point or another that's for sure um do you feel that art was a way like a safe haven for you at, during those times yeah i think just all the time um since i was yeah like the, i feel like that's almost like the reason why i started drawing was um to to just deal with emotions uh like if i felt happy if i felt sad if i felt shy or, i mean sometimes it was just for fun like i would draw a lot of like mice and houses and things like that um but like yeah for the most part it it really just came from like um yeah expressing my feelings cuz i know like later i i figured out like some people drew because they really just wanted to copy um something that they'd seen or they like you know characters that they love um they would draw those um i had some of those too but for the most part a lot of it just came from like wanting to draw funny things or um yeah feelings <laughs> <laughs> feelings <laughs> did your were your parents supportive of your art yeah you know they were really supportive um i think like i i say a lot in in like the story of how i got to where i'm at that like when i was trying to decide where to go to college they didn't want me to go to like art school right out of high school um but it doesn't mean that like throughout my life they weren't like really supportive of like artistic pursuits or being creative or like music or um you know like anything that i wanted to try that was kind of creative um they're both really creative people too so like i definitely feel like it was it, a little of it was like um we know how important it is to to be supportive of this kind of thing like especially my mom cuz she was a musician and um she would like in addition to teaching elementary school she taught music to kids um oh. yeah so i think like especially her like just there like she she really knows how to um nurture the strength of creativity in children like i i got that a lot from her when she was uh i don't know just throughout my life even now <laughs> thank you mommy yeah that's so sweet is she on the cast now <laughs> uh, she might be <laughs> she she's i've tried to put her in different stuff so <laughs> well speaking of your family um uh you know you uh, you had the um welcome to my life short which um was produced by Cartoon Network is that right and it was the second most viewed short in their entire history so congratulations on that um for anybody that's interested welcome to my life um can be viewed on YouTube so um definitely go and check it out and um 
It also won the Audience Award at the New York International Children's Film Festival. So how cool is that? Now, is T. Cash, the actor that plays T. Cash, is that actually your real life brother? Yeah. So, um, and he did have like a, like, like, it's based off of his middle name, Takeshi. So he, he yeah, he, he went by T, T. Cash as a rapper for a while. Um, and he was actually really good. Like I was, I was glad to go see him once. Like it was one of those things where you're nervous cause like it's your, your, your brother. <laughs> so you're kind of like, well, I'm going to support him no matter what, but I also hope that he's good. Cause like, <laughs> that'll be weird. Um, and he was good. So yeah, I, I really loved, loved uh, showcasing that, that fact. Yeah. And so how did they, um, what was the genesis of that idea for that project? Um, how did you decide to shoot kind of that docu style? Um, I don't know if you have a, a term that you use for it or. Yeah. I mean, like I had, I had been really inspired by um, Creature Comforts, which is this uh, short by Nick Park, um, uh, where he like interviewed regular people and then he turned them into zoo animals um, using like clay, clay or yeah, stop motion clay animation. Um, and I think like seeing how funny and charming and original that was, like I kind of always wanted to do stuff like that. And I just generally kind of like improvisational stuff uh so i think it was that combined with like my brother had actually written um like a like some writing about himself i think it was for like a high school english class he had written about how he felt kind of like me like shy and just like not necessarily like um super into being outgoing and seen but like uh for me there was this realization that like um he's getting a different kind of pressure based off of how people assume that he is for his size, you know, like he's bigger than me. Luckily, <laughs> it's like, if he was my size, it'd be probably hard for him for different reasons. Um, but like just reading about how it was hard for him because I think, you know, like, and then asking other friends who were kind of like bigger dudes, like, do you, do you run into this? Like where people feel challenged by you or for whatever reason they feel threatened by right. you and they treat mm -hmm. you a certain way. Um, and they were all kind of like, yeah, definitely. Um, kind of wanting to just figure out like, how do I show all these things that my brother is talking about that are really um, funny? Like, they're really personal yeah. and funny. Um, and thinking like, oh, well, what if I, what if he was like a, like the, the most awkward thing in high school, what would that be? Oh, if you were like a giant monster and you couldn't hide that. Um, and then what if I just really interviewed him about it? And then it kind of all came together that way when I was in school. Uh, and then I just sort of like, I don't know, I went for a really long time without working on that. And then I just kind of got inspired to, to pitch that idea again to Cartoon Network and kind of like had already... I mean, essentially done all this development like years ago for it. Hey, guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. So um, is it because you, you were over there, you were working on it, it? Was it when you were at, on Adventure Time or was this? Yeah, I had actually okay. come 
come back. Um, so like the first time that I was on Adventure Time, um, I was a board artist and then I left to go to Sony after the first season. Um, and then around the time when they were in their fifth season, uh, Penn kind of called me up to see where, what I was doing and just basically wanted to know if I wanted to come back to direct. Um, and I wasn't sure cause like I didn't, I'd never done that before. So <laughs> the, mostly that was why I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Was, did you I, know that that was the direction you wanted to head in or was that sort of the first? Oh, so he, he was kind of the one that was like, Hey, yeah, I don't Elizabeth, really, have you thought about this? Yeah, for sure. Like him and Adam, I think, um, have both approached me about it. And, and they also were really kind in that they, they explained what the job was before you know, before I accepted it, because they wanted to be sure that like, I was okay with like, one, like the way that it's different from being a storyboard artist or a writer, um, mm -hmm. because it, it's sort of more like you're trying to help their vision, um, make it all the way through until it's getting animated and, and through till the end, like, because sometimes there's like big edits you'll have to make or just adjustments you'll have to make. But um, it's just different because like you're not putting as much of your own personality into the storyboards. And I think they just wanted to double check. Like it's, it's like a lot more managerial and less creative. Um, so like, I appreciated that they gave me that kind of cushion to understand that, like what the job was before I dived, dived into it, but I was still nervous doing it. So <laughs> at the beginning, so like, um, don't get me wrong. It's still nerve wracking. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for anyone that's just tuning in that might not know what this show is, uh, this show is called Allison's Wonderland. It is a weekly animation and video game centric podcast or IGTV show that is becoming a podcast as well. Um, and we interview different people that work in animation and video games. And today's guest is Elizabeth Ito, creator of City of Ghosts for Netflix. Um, congrats on uh, your show becoming a podcast. That's really cool. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, we started as a web series in 2009 and then became a podcast. And I just didn't realize, oh, you have to actually be consistent with things. And um <laughs> That's kind of part of the job. Um, so I rebooted it in September, you know, amidst the pandemic. I just felt really disconnected and wanted to build community again because I was off social media for a year and a half. And that was pretty good. Yeah, it was really, really good. good. <laughs> I was uh, so much less distracted. But, you know, the, the reality is I didn't want to just live as a digital um, hermit. I wanted to you know, be connecting to people. So, and, and this is so great because now I just follow my natural curiosity and my son turns me onto things too, um, to see, you know, um, some of the amazing projects like yours. Um, Ryan Crago is coming on in a couple weeks. So who oh, created Carla, awesome. the alligator boy, um, you know, just a, a lot of friends that are voice actors and stuff. Um, no. Uh, so to answer your question, um, I want to call you 2002 because I think it's weird if I call you Allison Packer fan 2002. <laughs> um, it's not the last. It's going to continue as an IGTV show, and then we're going to repurpose um, the audio for the podcast later. So, um, but yeah, anyway, back to you, Elizabeth. Um, you've had a lot of different types of jobs working in animation. I was wondering, do you have a favorite? I mean, I like a lot of them for different reasons. Um, 
Yeah. Storyboarding is actually really fun. It's hard though. It's, it's, it's hard work because you're drawing. I mean, a lot of the things that I've been working on anyway, you're drawing and writing at the same time. Um, mm. But like, I don't know. I have a really good time making people laugh uh, or like I, I enjoy making people laugh. So uh, I think like any way that I'm able to accomplish that um, is what I like to do. Like I like to board stuff that uh, lights up a room or sometimes it's just like making your friends laugh. Like that's a lot of what Adventure Time was. Like it felt I always feel like it's challenging a little bit to make Penn laugh because he's got a very specific sense of humor uh -huh. to me. <laughs> but I also have a similar sense of humor. Um, and I think, like, it's it's been the same for directing. Like, if I can help a joke really land or if I can help... It's, I guess it's not always jokes. Sometimes it's dramatic moments. Sometimes it's, like, poignant moments between characters. I mean, um, how many times have I cried watching City of Ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's been a big one. A lot of people hug my kid closer. Yeah, so yeah. stuff like that. I I that's that's what I like. I like affecting people's feelings. That sounds manipulative to put it that way, but um. <laughs> isn't that what the arts is really? <laughs> um, now, what about? Um, I mean, are you a member of Women in Animation, that organization? Yeah, me as well. Um, you know, they, they're always releasing the st statistics about just um, how underserved the female voice is in animation. I was wondering, uh, are you, do you find yourself, um, do you ever find yourself the only woman in the room or one of just a few? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's more now. I think people are... Yeah different studios have been making um, more of an effort to give give us shows and to um, like staff us in higher level positions. Um, but I think like it could still be uh, like 80% better. <laughs> I, just, I think we've just started. I think like yeah. uh, me personally, like I feel like there is a lot of stuff that got um, kind of like not mixed up but just like put on hold because the last year and a half about has been so difficult for everybody with like COVID all, you yeah with COVID and with all of the multiple events that have happened over the course of of us being also in pandemic <laughs> at the same time but like overlap where I think like it, it's just felt like there's been a lot of scrambling to kind of like figure out a lot of things <laughs> that have needed to be figured out still need to be figured out um so like i want to say it's better i just hope that like we can kind of like one, once we we're starting to come out of of pandemic and come out of all this stuff that like we'll be able to reevaluate a little bit and kind of go like from everything that we've learned and considering the like kind of the pause i'm considering it a pause just because like for me personally it's felt like um, you know, just ha having to prioritize what what am what am I dealing with at this particular moment? Like, what's in my control to do right now? Like, even just today, I was like, man, uh, I still feel that sense of like I'm not I'm not at like a, a hundred percent productivity ever yeah. anymore. It's like 
maximum is maybe like 75% and that's like the best days. And then the rest of it's kind of like, I did okay. I made it through today. Let's get through like this week. It's felt a lot like that. So um, yeah, my hope is just that like when everybody's reaching a point where we're all resetting a bit, like um, yeah, doing that in a way where we just keep the momentum of the progress that we had started going (laughs) in terms of female voices in animation yeah Um, yeah Uh, for anybody that's interested women in animation um, has both student and um, memberships for people working in animation so even if you're not currently working in animation you are able to join as a student member um, or somebody that's um, associate member so um, definitely check that out they have lots of great um, panels and other events so um, yeah, I'm sure I mean, for, for you too, though, it's probably been difficult, like as a mom, like, I mean, like, that's been one thing with women in animation that I've been um, pretty vocal from the moment that I became a mom about, like, how do we make it easier for women who who want that, or men who want that, whoever wants it, um, how do we make that more possible and easier? And then that yeah. was another thing that during... <laughs> during all this stuff and having to figure out how are we working and taking care of our kids at the same time. Like it's, it's just been a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it's taken a while to learn. I was sort of already working from home, so it's a little bit different, but as we learn to adjust to working from home, there's a lot of upside in terms of saving time in your commute, uh, you know, having lunch with your family, but there's also a lot of, constant interruptions especially if you have little kids um you know just a minute ago my son was like out here with a hula hoop like, <laughs> like hey hey you're on a stream you know um so it's 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 a juggling act and maybe you know maybe the next evolution of this whole thing is us evolving to I mean this is just a concept to have but for there to be less delineation between genders I mean my husband and I really do try to share the workload fairly easily and we have to you know get some support in other ways too but as we come together and sort of parent uh, more in community i think um and and you know the daily tasks are not necessarily falling on the women and i think in a lot of ways we owe that to our parents generation for raising these awesome husbands that are like yeah i'll do the dishes (laughs) you're totally right like uh that's that's also um something I have to give, have a lot of gratefulness for is like my, my husband, Kevin, um, like he, he also worked on city of ghosts with me. He runs his own studio. Um, and yeah, I don't like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know how any of this would have worked without like, without having a, like a true partner where we can, you know, sometimes stuff ends up feeling, you feel overloaded but like having the ability to talk about it and work out a solution like that's been um yeah one of the key things to me being able to do any of this (laughs) absolutely and like christine just mentioned you know um the struggle between having to give your kids attention but also you know needing to give your your work your art your creativity attention and sometimes the art and the creativity are your work and your art are kind of different. You also need time for creative play, which is, you know, a lot of that went out the window in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a new year. It's already May. Happy I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't believe it's already the 5th of May. That's, um, that's amazing. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much. Wow. Okay. I, I'm like a little bit losing my train of thought because I, I'm, I am very interested in um, women in animation and how um, how everybody's dealing. And I, I, I you generally do hear that um, uh, the women that are able to make it all work and fire on all cylinders often have a lot of support, um, which is not 100% always the case. And there's plenty of single moms killing the game, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging no matter how you slice it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, City of Ghosts, it just premiered on Netflix. Was it February? March? Yeah. Uh, it was March 5th. March 5th. Okay. Yeah. So, April. So, I've lost track of time, too. It's so been two, mo- two months. Yeah. And I saw you guys had your um, Times Square billboard debut. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was so excited about that. And also, but I've also been so kind of like sad to miss out on getting to like go see it. Like I I was like, when they told me they were going to do it, it was, you know, prior to when they do it, they tell you like, here's the plans. Um, And like, I just thought, man, like, I I wish I could go out there and see it. But like, you know, for the best of everybody, it's probably better for me to just rely (laughs) rely on their professional. It was like right early. It was like March, right? You know, it's one more. It's it's a tough time. What what do do your kids think of the show? They love it. I I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, after they, you know, were its biggest fans, uh, I was pretty much like, I I nailed it. Yeah. Like, I don't care what happens, really. Um, yeah, they, they love it. It's been really funny. Like we like we talked about earlier, it's, it, it was really funny. Like as I was working on it, sometimes I would show them episodes and they would um, like just continue to repeat lines from the show. So <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, they like saying Peter's name a lot because of his his ringtone or Zelda's ringtone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's like a another thing where my daughter's lately been saying hello. Is anybody in there? Like, cause she's copying Zelda in the last episode. <laughs> um, and yeah, she's. I think she really loves uh, Atomic Nancy because she she's told me many times like, oh, I love Nancy Sekiza because she can't say her last name <laughs> yet. <laughs> Yeah. So how did you find um, the characters? I mean, uh, how did you cast this? Are, are these, are they real people? Um, are some actors and some are real people? Yeah, it's mostly real people. Um, wow. A big amount of the credit goes to my documentary producer, um, Joanne, who her and Katie Ledane, like just researched the heck out of all of the like random ideas that we had talked about and like people to talk to and like places to visit. Um, uh, They handled most of like basically like calling and pre-interviewing people um, to kind of like give me a selection of things to listen to and think about. Um, And then eventually, yeah, just kind of like, organically figuring out these stories or as organically as possible and kind of like me going, I think this voice sounds like an interesting prospect. I think this person sounds really interesting. Maybe if we combine those two. Um, And then it was really just like meeting the people um, in person and um, 
kind of like developing a little bit of a comfort level mm -hmm. before we were actually going to record. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was a really interesting process. I, I've never, I've never known another animated show to do it this way, unless it's actually like a, a real documentary most of the time. Um, so I feel really glad that we were able to, to do it like that. <laughs> yeah. So would you eventually bring them into a recording studio? Or would you bring gear to their location? Oh, so eventually it was. Well, we tried a few different ways. So like, What's really funny to me is that um, at the very beginning of all of it, like I had, I think I had asked if it would be possible to do this, like, like field recording, like, could we hire um, a sound guy to basically yeah. go with us? Yeah. yeah. And set it up like if, like, if it would make people more comfortable to record um, where they were at or like at a place that was comfortable to them. Um, but it was it was tough to do that because like for animation, a lot of times they really want the sound as, you know, like as clean as possible so that, you know, if there's ambient noise, it's added later. They said no to, to that pretty much, but we tried out other things. Like we, like I basically said, I don't necessarily think we need like a, like a, a recording booth. It'd be cool if we could try it in like a screening room. We could try it in a situation where you could set it up. So it's like, we're having a real interview um, so they don't feel too much like they're recording takes. They don't feel like they're recording lines. Um, so we did that for a few of them. Like we, we had, we got set up in like, um, normally they're used for like screening uh, movies or screening like um, episodes of things in the main Netflix building. We, we like recorded audio there okay. um, with like a, with a sound guy. Mm -hmm. And then there were a, a, few, a number where we went to United Recording, which is like this amazing like rock and roll recording studio on sunset that just oh, happened uh -huh. to have an arrangement with netflix um, uh -huh. so like what was awesome like i mean just to go off on a little bit of a tangent but like what was awesome recording tangent away. was yeah like we we brought her into this space and she was looking at like they have like the typical kind of like photo wall like photo grid wall where it's just snapshots of all of the famous rock stars that have recorded there um and she was like just looking at this like uh spread of people and she was like oh i know that person oh that's my friend oh, i can't believe that <laughs> and it, it was just really cool to um to have her you know there to see all that um and then just that space is amazing like i think like there's a reason why a lot of people recorded there um you can I mean, similar to what we talked about on the show, like you could just feel the history in that that building too. And they talked about how it was probably haunted. Like one of the um, engineers was telling us one day. And so, yeah, it was all really exciting. <laughs> Perhaps your season two location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I know that May 6th, you're going to be on a panel. Um, Owning Your Story by Pop Creators for NYICFF. Um, did you want to just give them a little plug and let us know where we can go check you out tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I think you can find um, links to it on both their Instagram, on Nykif's Instagram. And then um, I think they sent out, they might have something on their website about it. But yeah, it's a, it's a panel where we're going to be talking about owning, owning your stories and... Um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. Like it, it's like it's always been really fun to work with them. 
Um, they've been so supportive of me and my work. So I hope you'll, I hope you'll check out our talk. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think for- it's at 2, 2 p.m. our time. 2 p.m. Pacific? 5, okay. Yeah. 5 p.m. their time. <laughs> awesome. If, yeah. If you want to, I'll, I'll try and find it and I can share it to my stories too, in case anybody wants to check that out. Um, uh, sorry, it was a little ADD, right? <laughs> um, but um, taking it back, so City of Ghosts is now fully launched and all the episodes are on. Um, is this just the time to kind of reflect and um, take inventory or do you find yourself already trying to jump back into the next thing? Yeah, like I, I was trying to take a moment to kind of like, um, I mean, basically just like enjoy other people enjoying it, <laughs> Yeah, like, um, which has been really, really nice. Like I, I, I couldn't be happier with um, people's reaction to it with, I'm so, I feel so grateful that kids love it. I feel grateful that, you know, your son loves it. Um, it it's been nice to just talk about it. Um well, and like, even in just in the comments, best show I've seen on Netflix. Can we get more episodes? I agree. Best show I've watched this year. Yeah, I, I and yeah, I like. I appreciate everybody who's checked it out and who's reached out. Um, I haven't had a chance to write back to everybody. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to to have that chance because it's it's been really epic, and I'm I've been really bad about getting back to people's emails during during all this uh, stuff. Um, but like. Yeah, I think I've also just always got a lot of ideas on the back burner and Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure what will be the next thing um, that happens as far as like what I do. But it's definitely like um, like not to be like a broken record about this this year and everything that people have gone through. But like I feel like for me, it just um, amplified the thoughts that I've had about like how how important it is that the stuff that we work on like truly matters like and who it matters for and like um especially like if i'm making shows for kids and families um what <laughs> like what messages and what energy do i want that to represent like what do i want people to feel from that work so um just like if the, the last year being so hard on people i would like to like make more work that makes life easier and better for people as much as I can. (laughs) Yeah, I I strongly identify with that as well. You know, you think about the vibration that, you know, each each bit of uh, TV that they consume, which is so much more than ever before. I mean, thank you, global pandemic for (laughs) we used to just watch TV on the weekends. There was a time when we just watched TV on the weekends. Long gone. We didn't used to watch Octonauts like for a couple hours every day. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Another great show, um, preschool show too. Um, but yeah, you, you think about w- what do you most want? I mean, this is the the youngest generation and, and what legacy do you want to leave and, and being able to uh, raise people's awareness while also staying true to kind of the heritage of not just the city, but different cultures that live in the city and, it's very KCRW, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like, I guess, leads me, which you already kind of talked about a little bit to my final question about what do you hope fans get out of your work and your story? And I, I think that's 
you know, what you're, what you're saying is uh, how can we make this world a little bit better through, through art? Number one, I hope kids really like it and they laugh at it like more than anything. Um, like, I just hope they, they see themselves appreciated for like how some adults like value them just like that we, I that I and everybody who worked on the show I think consider kids to be smart and and I don't know they they have to be the future you know because they, they literally are like here in the future so uh, beyond yeah. me um, so it's kind of just like wanting to show that wanting to just give them like a like a a realistic but but funny historical show. Um, and yeah, I think like, like for me, like a broader appreciation of like the spectrum that different people's brains are on, not to get super deep about it, but like, I feel like, like you mentioned ADD, I feel like a real appreciation of like how much more info we have now on, on things like that. Because like, when I read a lot about it, I think like, man, I feel like I would have benefited from this info (laughs) when I was a kid. I wish I had had it. So like making more content that speaks to, um, you know, neurodiversity and things like that. Uh. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I do notice we have a couple questions left in the question box. Um, Are you comfortable taking questions from the audience? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hope you guys did a good job. All right. (laughs) Should I click on a box on my screen? I've got it right here. Um, uh, What were some of your favorite characters from City of Ghosts? I guess that's like asking you to pick your favorite child, but um, you want to speak to (laughs) some of your favorites? Every ghost was like special to me in some way. Like all all of the real people I met, I know that's like a really um, safe answer, but I, I truly mean it. Um, but like maybe in a way to kind of like promote them beyond city of ghosts. Like I, I hope all of the kids who voice characters get more jobs doing voicing characters cause they were good at it. Um, I think like, uh, were they actors, um, or were, were they, um, also kids you found in your research? Um, it was, it's tricky in that they're not SAG, so they're not SAG actors, which was like mm-hmm. sort of the reason why they were able to do our show. Um, but they were not necessarily not interested in acting. So like, I think they are actors, just maybe not in SAG. Um, the only caveat is that like, if they all get work uh, and they have to join SAG, then I might not be able to use them for like City of Ghosts. Uh, continuations because i don't know if that's still going to be like how how it works um but like they're so yeah i would just love to hear them in anything and everything so every single kid who did a voice for my show should should get employed at another studio on another tv show doing many voices (laughs) well i mean i'm happy to if, if any of them want want to chat or we also uh two weeks ago last week i can't remember juliet donenfeld was one of the guests she's uh 11 years old and she's just doing amazing jobs so that episode is really good for any any kids that are interested in getting into voiceover i watched a large part of it and it's adorable (laughs) it was definitely interesting i'm interviewing somebody um that was so young but she's so talented she's the youngest person ever be nominated for an annie award for voice acting so she's got 
an amazing career uh, behind and ahead of her. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Oh, um, so um, Christine asks, the outlook of the Ghost Club members is goals, right? G-O-A-L-S, goals. Are they modeled after people in real life or imagined ideals? Are they kind of playing themselves or? I think they're kind of imagined after like kids that I know. Um, some of them, I think like, like I saw a comment about um, Zelda eating string. And I think some, some things like that are just like details that a lot of the artists that worked on the show kind of added that they felt like were them as kids. Like, I feel like that particular detail is very like Akko, um, who's the director of that episode where, where that string eating thing starts. Um, but it's stuff like where, when she brings that up, like, I would think like, uh, Oh, that's, that's relatable. Like, I feel like I had a friend <laughs> who was like that when I was a kid, or there was some kid in my uh, third grade class that was like that. Um, so I think like part of it's like stuff that we knew as kids, part of it's like asking kids when they were doing the voices. Like I think about Peter when he was doing his beatboxing, um, that was something where like we just asked him like can you beatbox and he could do it so it's like I feel like there were aspects to like their characters that would come out when we would ask them to do certain things that we didn't always know um that were part of them but like became a little bit part of their own characters <laughs> wow yeah well it's amazing what you find when your creative process is not traditional yeah you know, who knows if, if you came in with a a fully scripted idea of what was going to happen in scene A and B, you might never have discovered that. Um, let's see. We have one. Let's see. Okay. Um, Chris Battle Art was wondering, um, you mentioned that there was a city of Go like how you'd like to have a city of Ghost Dodger Stadium episode. Any other concepts for episodes or locales that you would like to share? Oh man, a lot. Like I, like, I did have this one like uh, random fantasy lately of like, um, like if like if we did another season, it would be sort of funny if it was like adjacent to LA, but maybe not like exactly in LA proper. Um, so like, what if we did like a like a shopping mall <laughs> and like like because I watched this documentary called Jasper Mall that was that I really enjoyed. That was pretty much about just like. Um, kind of like a dying shopping mall and um, like I forget what town I think it was in Jasper but like um, yeah, I, it was just really interesting to me because it was really um, like about a normal place that everybody goes and kind of like the 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 evolution of it um, so I was in my head I was like is there some kind of like like there was a shopping mall that I saw that was like locked up in Palm Springs where I was like what if we went to Palm Springs and did something about that abandoned shopping mall <laughs> city so, of, I don't know city of ghosts cathedral city <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh wow well um you know from the bottom of my heart I wish you absolute you know, all your dreams come true with this show and any other future projects that you work on. Did you get to have any screenings or anything like that? Or did COVID kind of prevent? We had a, a Zoom screening um, that was really emotional for me because my whole crew basically made this video 
where they were all saying thank you and how much they enjoyed working on the show. And like, it was just like a lot <laughs> to take in. So I like ugly cried on this random Zoom call. Um, but like, it was like, you know, processing a lot of other things too, I think that had happened this year. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Like I really hope once this is, you know, we're out and able to go do things in groups again, that, uh, I can have screenings regardless of whether like there's going to be more city of ghosts on Netflix. I, I would love to just do events where we could meet each other and talk about the show, like, um, safely somehow. Wiz, <laughs> I mean, you had, you had, uh, shared in your Instagram, I don't know if your stories are your feed, um, your KCRW like, uh, reception idea, Oh yeah. I was like, oh, that should be a thing. I mean, a collab there, maybe, uh, that's like my, that was my dream. I was like, yeah, my hipster dream was like, yeah, this like KCRW event somewhere. <laughs> but like, now it's yeah. going to be like Novena and like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody else like just retired from like morning becomes eclectic. And I was like, there goes another DJ that I can't, <laughs> like was it Anlet? Yeah. No, I think it was like uh, I'm forgetting, but I'm sure somebody's gonna remind me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your time. It's been so lovely chatting with you. I feel like we could do like six more of these because um, it's so interesting and your process is so beautiful. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I, appreciate I really appreciate oh. you having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Before you go, can you, do you mind just saying um, saying your name and saying um, check out Allison's Wonderland or something like that? This Elizabeth, because then I'm going to cut them all up into little pieces. Oh yeah, sure. Um, this is Elizabeth Ito, and make sure to check out Allison's Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Well, I'll go ahead and share this. If anybody, the replay will be available. And thank you guys so much for tuning in live. Elizabeth, thank you for your time. And everybody have a great Wednesday. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.